podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The following message is a public service broadcast on behalf of the Misery Hunters podcast. So Mirren won't be looking forward to the game. Necessarily before a ball's kick, they'll not be looking forward to the game. Because we put markers down like the nine nothings, I think. They'll be thinking, if we don't get a doing today, that's good. You know. And that's a great psychological, you know, advantage we've now got. Because football tends to be more psychological than anything. So so going there on good forum, uh, they'll be apprehensive about playing on for the St. Mirren or for the last game? Oh, St. Mirren game. Um, I think we're going to absolutely fucking romp St. Mirren. 5 0. 4 0. That's it. 4 0. I think we'll be a wee bit tired after Shakhtar. Yeah, right. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Just a little bit, though. Just a little bit. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, yeah. For me, it's a lazy seven. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna call them again, mate. You're gonna call them. We're gonna get a. We're gonna get a nine or whatever it was, or a just, ten nil. Just, no, la- just a late. Oh, just a lazy seven because you know we'll uh, <laughs> we'll rotate the whole squad and you know we've got two full starting elevens and we'll go from there. So. What's your thoughts about that coming up? Confident as as always, you know we're the, we're, we were flying two weeks ago before Real Madrid. Uh, get you know the big enough squad to you know bring some people in. Best some people. Uh, just I'm just double thinking. St Mirren have they they've got a grass pitch, right? They do have a grass pitch, yeah. Although we've yeah. also since proved that that's irrelevant. Was his name Steve Robinson, ex Motherwell manager? Yeah. Um, so I'd quite like if we knocked six or seven past past him because I just don't like him because he is someone who you know if we scored ten against them, he would. Uh, he would be moaning that right now before every single domestic game I'm thinking that we're just going to go in there and absolutely smash them and Sunday's no exception I'm really looking forward to seeing us again that's not just domestically that's in the Champions League right now I just love watching Celtic um, so I don't even know if we'll take our frustrations out on them I think we'll just get back to business to be perfectly honest um, the opposition domestically just now there's not a team out there who won't fear playing us just now and rightly so Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. Uh, when we're playing a domestic game right now, it's you tune in for entertainment more than you do as like a Celtic fan. You're there to, yeah, to yeah. see it five, six now. I don't even know if the bookies would give you two to one on like a three goal handicap for Celtic anymore in a domestic game. For, for St. Mary, anything at that game, they're going to have to they're going to have to go to the well and back because it's a guarantee that Celtic will show up. The players will perform. It will be an attack style of football. We definitely will create a host of chances and the likelihood is that we're going to take a number of them and win the game convincingly. And oh. as, as I said, I'm not being arrogant about that. <coughs> just going by the evidence. Hey, what Jason, I agree with Barry that I think it was actually Hugh Keevans actually said it in Super School all the day. He says that tomorrow Celtic turned up, Celtic won. He says that Munger basically in for a field day. Um, yeah. And I'm going to put this out the news, Jason, right? People might think I'm jumping the gun, but I'm seriously, seriously thinking that we could go on beating this season. I'm being really, really honest. Submitted, I've done it! Celtic's 100% record is in the bin! Mark O'Hara, John Ayunga, submitted to Celtic now. It is a beautiful Sunday indeed in Paisley. Full time, we'll say it once again. Full time at the Smyzer Stadium. 
St Mirren 2, Celtic 0. Hello you miserable bastards and welcome to the Misery Hunters podcast. My name is Jamie Coburn and joining me is Mark Jardin. Easy! Andrew Christie. We never stop. <laughs> Sam Smith. I'm saying that we do never stop. <laughs> and Craig Devine. Queen beating season up your ass. <laughs> I mean... What a game we've got to talk about, and you know, before a ball's even kicked, you know, it's a psychological game. Psychological. Psychological. Before a ball's sick. kicked. Before a ball's kicked. Like, you know, you've got to remember that. Yeah. I'm just so happy that those 1600 Celtic fans who don't go to see the team win, they go for entertainment. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, they just love enter- seeing Celtic take the pitch. Yeah, good on them. If they're know, going for entertainment, that's exactly what they got. You know, they don't even need to be Celtic fans in the, the domestic league, whatever that dude said. And is also is that an Australian podcast that is a hundred percent just like started because of Ange Postecoglou? Yeah, right, it's also not right, probably not. It's probably two guys for Shetland with dodgy accents. They put on for another, but was, the, was it the same one that uh, tweeted the other day about how? Uh, Bacchus and Strain played in a certain team that had beat Celtic for the first time in their history. Aye, uh, yeah, that was great, Pat. Yeah, good on, good on that account. Good research. But, I mean, we, we do have a fantastic win to talk about. Um, Sam, I think you enjoyed it. Not, I, I would say more than most. Um, <sighs> I think we all enjoyed it, to be fair. But um, what, what's your thoughts on the match? Some some has enjoyed it that hard that they were feeling shite for the, still feeling shite the day to be honest. But ah, it was from start to finish that you you just straight for as soon as we kind of got a foot in the ball pretty early on, you knew it was on. That you, you knew kind of something was on and that we were we were really up for it. And but even at that, you still don't expect to to beat Celtic comfortably. And even when it got to the point where we were two 0 up, we. 10 minutes to go, you're constantly looking at your phone, you look at the time, you're looking over at the scoreboard and you're just kind of trying to think like, oh, what way can Celtic still score three goals here? Because it's what they do, they, they, they win games for impossible situations at times in this league, but if we're being realistic, it never was really in doubt at any point, they were absolutely no. shite. Mm-hmm. And, but they were absolutely shite because we made them shite, they weren't like against every single Celtic fans coming out and saying and like oh we were so bad so bad like nah, your fucking star players get pocketed the diddies that he's brought on get fucking pocketed that fucking moron and goals <laughs> helped us big time as well but you could have had in goals and the two goals would have probably still you with any of the keepers you would have probably had in goals but nah it was just so good I loved every single minute of that and I can't even begin to think what would happen to my poor lover if that happened again anytime soon. I think for for teams like us to get a result against either Rangers or Celtic, you need just a combination of all these kind of different things aligning. Like you need all your players to have the game of their lives, you need all their players to have an off day and you need like, you know, luck and decisions. But that wasn't the case on Sunday. Sunday it it was comfortable. Like Marco Harris said in his post match interview, it was comfortable. It was like is a professional doing like the possession stats at 80 20 in Celtic's favour that doesn't paint a picture of what the game was. It was they had the possession, but they did 
fuck all with it. And when we had the session, we were clinical, we were ambitious, we were just bold and brave and just everything you want. And I was just, it was such a good day. I thought it was similar in a lot of ways to the hips performance. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of a bit less possession, you know, you're facing a, a higher calibre of player, but we kind of just left them to do what we wanted them to do and, and mopped up what we what we forced them into. We held them kind of 20, 30 yards out, forced them to to sling crosses in or to try and play passes through six, seven guys on the edge of the the box. It was never happening. But on top of that, as we did against Hibs and, and, and as we have done against Dundee United as well, we were ready as soon as we had an opportunity. Strain was flying up the up the touchline. We had guys willing to, to commit and pile forward. I know that um, I've seen it raised a couple of places. When Ahara arrives in the box to get the header for the first, he's by no means the, the only player making that Mm-hmm. You know that that forward thinking, running and gambling on it. If you know there's there's three or four guys in the box there. If you're playing just sitting behind the ball and and trying to park the bus and all the rest of it, you're not committing those guys forward to try and to try and do that. I think it was just a a flawless game plan by Robinson, executed perfectly by guys who have very very obviously bought into it. Mm-hmm. It was anti football, obviously. Well, that's the thing that that, that I think it really shows you, like the caliber of Celtic fans that you see on Twitter, who just look at the, who've not watched the game or watched it through their tinted glasses, took the stats and went, "See, you just sat back. It was anti football when it when it really wasn't. Like we were not playing like we were, we were not hoofing it pointless balls up the park. Every pass had thought behind it. We we were structured so well. We dealt with them defensively, fantastic, and we." caught them on the counter two great breaks and it's something that we've done really well this season and it, it kind of makes that St Johnson game such an anomaly and we, we've said previously that St Johnson are the only team that probably where this tactic that we've, we've, we seem to have mastered really is not going to do well against and like any other after that performance against Celtic because we all said in the previous podcast like not too dissimilar from the, the guys we just heard there that we thought we were going to be in for a doing kind of thing, just the way they'd been playing. But except from Mark, we smug smile right now. Um, <laughs> I, even I, got te- I, I got a text message to someone who was catching up saying, "Oh, I'll take a one 0 quotation marks wanker." I was like, "All right, thanks." <laughs> <laughs> but um, it kind of there's a confidence about us with the way we play that like other than St. Johnston where we don't really know how the best way to line up against them would be you're quite confident going against any of the, the teams like to try and at least get a point at least against some of the bigger ones or you know we just got three points against Celtic I know we um, I know as, as part of the compilation at the start we dug out the, the cynic the Celtic podcast that Christian Wolf that, that appears on that podcast runs a, a, a kind of football analysis Twitter account called Lost in the Half Space and I thought I retweeted his thread earlier in the week but I thought the way he summed up how we play was 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 very fair and also not what you're getting from the kind of average kind of hot take reaction. Um referred to us as the best drilled domestic opponent that faced Celtic all season. Um said that we set up in a similar way to Dundee United but were much better and more consistent in where we pressed, how often we pressed, the distance between our lines we had a much more active front two, a very narrow midfield that essentially crowded out anything that Celtic tried to to do. He said we've created most this season from finding space. 
behind the opposition fullbacks and centre backs through runs, rotations, and overloads, but our compact and mobile block stopped this by moving a box shape across the entire pitch. Like it's not a it's not a coincidence. It's it's what was, was being said at the start. It wasn't an off day. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a you know a really intelligent, well drilled game plan executed by players who listen to what they're told and who are capable of of putting it into action. I, I don't mean to overstate it. We'll you know I mean we'll take some tankings this season, we obviously will, but this wasn't a smashing grab by mm-hmm. by any description, regardless of what any possession stat says. It's it's very much us dictating what happens in front of us because we know what we can cope with and we know what we can't. And there's a bit of confidence that you can hand eighty percent of the game to someone because we we think we'll do more with the twenty percent we have than the eighty percent you have, and it it worked. So there's there's not much more you can argue with about it. I don't think. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the first goal, and um, you know, uh, it was a great ball in, great header from O'Hara. Where where's the foul that um, like the Celtic fans are moaning about that it should the first goal shouldn't have stood. This is, this is what I was saying before we started recording the podcast. I have literally watched the entire passage I play back at water speed on YouTube to try and work out where the fuck that foul is, and it, it, it just doesn't exist. I mean, I'm sure like if someone wants to tweet in and tell me I've got that massively wrong, go ahead, but I think the rest of you are in agreement. It, where is it? If you want to really break it down to that level, there's an argument that there's a, a handball there at one point in the, the build-up, so it hits off Maeda. I think it's Maeda. It's probably more towards his shoulder, so maybe a bit harsh, but he definitely jumps in with his arm. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is when he jumps in, I think it's actually his fault that the ball goes out to strain and then gets punted in because it falls to Bacchus. I think the original ball was meant to go out to strain. It falls to Bacchus. Greg Taylor, I think, would have had it covered if it had went straight out to strain, but he's too busy backtracking. Mm-hmm. Bacchus has got the ball at his feet. And then when Bacchus puts that ball out to strain and runs into the box... He gets fouled as well. Mm-hmm. If you watch Turnbull, he kind of sticks his arm out towards him and Bacchus falls right on the edge of the box. So that's kind of two fouls to us, two goals to us, and no fouls to Celtic. Yeah. And no goals. No goals to Celtic, eh? <laughs> it was really someone... good to, I thought it was really good to be made it, made it before it was probably the most productive thing he'd done all day. He is, he wouldn't get a game for us though. He is, he is really bad. You're a footballer. He really is. <laughs> he, he, he's a definition of like just someone who in school was so much faster than everybody else at his age and has just made a life out of being uh, he's, he's so fucking bad <sighs> I, I, I think if you're, a, if you're a team like Celtic who, who've got 80% in the ball and I've got that you know usually quite well drilled thing where everyone's up and at it and you know for, for all we're taking the piss out of it the majority of times since Ange Postacolo come in that they have been at it Maida kind of works. He's a bad footballer, but actually he's a. they can afford to have one bad footballer in the team who contributes all the, the kind of physical stuff he does to stretch it. But if if that's not going for you and your good players aren't up to much either, then then Maida sticks out a bit on a, a pitch more, like that. Yeah. His more defensive actions than both. Plays like a, <laughs> just a really high up left back. And just speaking of good players not being up to it, Kyogo was... Just anonymous on Sunday. Like I, um, I was looking at the stats. He had seventeen touches in ninety-six minutes. I, I generally it's thought st- he came on in the second half, but yeah, that, it's unbelievable. I thought he went off. I, I couldn't believe he finished the game. Seventeen touches is less than that ball boy that was fighting Haxabanovich. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all 
you were talking about a good player that was on off day. God, Aaron Moyes falling off, isn't he? He was pish. Just that he, he doesn't have the tempo about him that, that I think a, a team like Celtic, the way they are just now, demands. It I mean, just be such an obvious he's downgrade. Been in China for a year, probably on these mental wages. He's probably lost a little bit of enthusiasm and he's sitting there going, oh, fuck, how have I ended up back in Scotland? He's just like, Celtic fans all moaned when they signed James McCarthy last year because mm-hmm. it was like one that Dermot Desmond wanted to sign and like fair enough James McCarthy was absolutely shite but then Leanne just thought oh I know it will do better if I sign my pal that's, that's actually not that good and then I'll start playing him in games and it's not worth it because he's just he doesn't fit the style of play at all and makes him look like a bad footballer which he is not do you know what I mean he's, he's had a really good career he's mm-hmm. played, at, played at the World Cup played in the Premier League Got big money moves, made a fortune. So mm-hmm. you put him in a you put him in a much slower team. I'm sure he's still a, a good footballer. Like oh, no, he, could... he would do a job for us, like an experienced head and stuff like that. But like for a team like Celtic and the way they play on the ball, and like he's just yeah. not fitting in there. That it... about style. Like he trained with Rangers, I think, before Celtic signed him, and I think you could you could even put him in that Rangers team, and I don't think he would stick out as much because there isn't the same massive. You know, um, kind of emphasis on the pace and and how quickly Celtic are turning the ball around and, and everything else, but it, it just stuck out so badly. To be honest, I thought it's almost harsh to pick Moy out because I think Turnbull beside him was mm-hmm. was just as just as poor, just absolutely dominated by by our midfield in a game where we had so little possession. Is um, it's pretty humiliating to be honest. Before we start, like talking about like. Um, the great performances in our our squad. We'll talk about the second goal quickly, and you know, again, like a really good counter attack, good ball, and um, oh no, wasn't it? It was from a throw in, wasn't it? That's like Declan Gallagher, which seems to be a bit of a go to recently. Which I'm all for. I know Shaughnessy had a throw on him as well, but Gallagher seems to take up that mantle. And yeah, it's another, and it's another set piece, isn't it? It's Definitely something to utilise. A good touch on from um, main to uh, the back post for where Ayunga was to slot it in. Um, I mean, there was calls for offside. It wasn't. Like, he, he, he squared no. the ball. It wasn't put in front of him. It wasn't. It was onside. And then he I like... He fucking back the way. Aye. And then, um, <coughs> and then fucking... Dermot Gallagher coming out saying VAR would have ruled it for a foul so all the Celtic fans have now went from saying it was offside to saying it was a foul and it, and it wasn't like it generally like if that goes to VAR it will see that both of them have got a hold of each other and that's that and it will see that one's a fucking Jesse who couldn't hack a bit of to and fro he'd realised he'd get caught yards at the position for he should have been through his cell to the deck to try and get a foul like there's fuck all in it Mm-hmm. I just think in Scott, he is a scuddy. Like, he is an absolute nutty, Stephen Welsh. He's got the thing about him, like you know how like when Stephen Pearson and stuff were appearing in the Celtic squad because they didn't really have someone else to play in that position. It's like that. He's not really going to amount to much. He'll, he'll go down south and sign for Preston, and then you'll forget all about him. I think he's a bit of a Jack Hendry. Like, I think you take him out of the goldfish bowl. He's all right on the ball. He'll get a game somewhere and he'll he'll look all right. But in Scottish football, where it takes one big weighty throw in from the the hands of Declan Gallagher some, to undo some you, some power he's got behind that. Just like incredibly long, thick throw in from Declan Gallagher, just superb. <laughs> I just think in Scotland, uh, you know, 
kind of an organised St Mirren team given Celtic are doing isn't that interesting to the kind of average football fans so we have to find yeah. decisions to talk about and it's, that's where I, the second goals come from because the, all the, that's the annoying thing about Scottish punditry yeah. is it's not how St Mirren won it it's how Celtic lost it because I mean you look at sports scene it's it's like every episode's 40 minutes on referee decisions so yeah I don't I don't they're really kind of clawing to find something that the referees mm-hmm. fucked up and given us an advantage from but I just don't see it. I think the bigger problem is what the fuck is Callum McGregor doing heading that ball back mm. that way? Uh-oh. Why is Welsh trying to win a, a free kick by flinging himself to the ground? Why is Hart just fucking forgotten where he is? Like, there's so many more re- things to get annoyed about than the refs not giving us a, a foul. So and, and I know how that whole uh, thing about how Barkas was actually a left back and was being forced to play <laughs> in goals. I think Joe Hart's playing in goals but has now realised he's a left back and it's just... Oh. Well, I was going to say, Sam's the, the, the go-to goalkeeper on this, and you said that Joe Hart really should have came out for any of those yeah, headers. Yeah, the, the, like, why, like, how high that cross in, like, don't obviously take any, like, in, away from strain, like, that ball in is an absolute fucking peach. He's, like, aimed, and he's looked at somewhere where someone can run onto, and uh, he nailed it, but, like, the ball's up in the air for an eternity before it drops down onto O'Hara's head, where Hart could just take two steps across, and put a hand on it and get it out. The second one, he's letting three headers happen in his box. Like, in and around his six-yard box and he's not even making an attempt to come for it. But again, though, it's like, as a Celtic goalkeeper, you're not really used to being put under pressure like that. So, like, it's what happens when the rest of your team's out and their fucking arses handy to them off of two big guys up front. To, I think they were described as, like, journeymen as well and that, so, mm-hmm. which was really good. Well, now well, we can we can actually talk about individual performances and do we have one of the best striking duels we've had in a long time between Ayunga and um, uh, Curtis May? They're definitely better than Somner and McDougall. Now, I think that like, <laughs> that performance on Saturday fucking cemented it for me. Like I, I don't even like. Could you imagine Somner and McDougall now trying to do that? Could you imagine them trying to do it thirty, forty years ago when they played? I don't even know when the fuck they played. <laughs> It's irrelevant because they couldn't do it. But, and like, can I hold you up my side? It's, they're so fun to watch. It's two absolute fucking bulldozers. But, they, I mean, Mains found the first touch that he never had last year, and Ayunga has a fucking incredible first touch. Like, I remember people were complaining about John O'Beaker. Look, John O'Beaker couldn't do any of the stuff that Ayunga done on yeah. Saturday because you couldn't, you could put, like, all your money on John Obika not winning a header. A younger wins most of his headers. He taps the ball in every time. The two of them, like main and the younger, both genuine outballs as well, which helps in games like that. Like we weren't hitting long, aimless punts up for somebody to chase. We're hitting up to two guys who we know can get us up the park. And aye, the two of them are an absolute mm-hmm. delight. But that's not to discredit the other nine yeah, that were on the pitch one, at the same time. One of the, sta- aye, one of the standouts in that game as well was see when um, Maine was holding it in the corner, just <laughs> muscling everybody. Do you know how good that was? So my, team. My, my girlfriend, who absolutely hates football, was watching it going, oh, that's, just, that's, that's just unfair what he's doing. <laughs> I was like, had to remind her about the financial difference between Celtic and St. Martin and that St. Martin striker currently holding people off is not on quite that much money. <laughs> Celtic can spend £30 million on World Cup players and we can sign free transfers from 
in the northeast of England who have my massive biceps but no first touch until very recently. It's just the way it is. Emma wasn't even trying for the, the, the last kind of two or three throw-ins. They just absolutely had their number, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, big thing. I think what one of the things I'm so impressed with with Ayunga is how quick he gets the ball down to his feet and then how decisive and intelligent he is with what he then he then does and, and you know I don't want to see things where they're not there but I just feel like it's all so so drilled it's also practiced Ayunga knows if that ball gets up to him and he can get it down to his feet he knows that there's a space coming for strain or for I guess it would be Bacchus on that side to get beyond whatever wide player is closest to them and he knows that if he threads a kind of zipped ball with a bit of a bit of turn on it someone will get onto that you know there's there's a lot of trust in that and Straighten or, or whoever it is know that they can commit themselves that high up the pitch in a really really tight game like that because they know that's where the ball's going if if we can get it down it, it, it's just there's there's so much trust in it and it feels like this team's been playing together for a lot longer than they have mm-hmm. I think as well yeah, Ryan actually got a... oh sorry I was just going to say I think you mentioned Ryan Strain there I think he he was not a standout but from a, def- a defensive point of view, which I've not really, he's not really been expected to do a lot of that so far. But he played a lot deeper on Sunday, and they brought Jota on at half time, who you know isn't isn't a cheap transfer. And so Jota, Haksibanovic, and I guess Maeda as well. Just Strain had them had their number the whole game, and it's yeah. I kind of combining his attacking kind of industry with. A bit of defensive now, so it's just I he's he's gonna be some player for us. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. And it's mental to think that someone on the Discord right at the start of the season said that it Matt Miller. of Matt Miller. <laughs> Alison that's it with um, who I hope's listening to this said um based on I guess the Edinburgh game if you played in that or was it the Airdrie game <clears throat> said that she didn't think he was up to much. And yeah, then, and you make him on at left back, yeah. Yeah, he said he was. He was kind of. He just. He just looked like a poor footballer and not really up to the standard. I mean, and he's been eight out of he, ten every single time. He, he was in Israel for like a year, not playing any football. So, like, um, kind of excuse is that, yeah. Jim? Oh. <laughs> people who came on and done well, um, Richard Tate. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, he came on. Jota gets switched over to that side, and on paper, that's not a great matchup at all. But I think it was maybe Sam. I don't know that pointed this out. That's Martin Boyle and Yota that Richard Tate's had in his pocket over the past few weeks as well. Like great performance from him. Aye. He also very aggressively very aggressively slapped him on the head. Uh, when Jota was sitting in his arse, walked past and slapped him in the head. It was very, very good to watch. <laughs> he him. he's a fucking fairy though, that Jota. Like he must be knackered by the amount of times he spends throwing himself to the ground at minimal contact. But again, like I pointed out to like one of the guys that sits next to me, like you can do that every week when you know, like with any like minimal contact, if you make a noise, you throw yourself to the ground. Like, you know you're probably going to get a free kick most week. So, and I actually thought the referee had a shite game as well. Like there was a lot of fifty-fifty stuff that he swung in Celtic's favour rather than others. So, but that's kind of all forgotten when. They are trying to play the victim again. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we're talking about a team that play the victim when they win four now. So yeah, I mean the league's um, totally against them. Like that's why they didn't win ten in a row. They only won right, obviously so, nine. 
It's a fucking horrendous conspiracy theory when they've won everything there is to win for like the last 10 years and have won more trophies than everybody else. But hey, the SFA are to get them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Richard Tate at this point is James Tavernier away from pocketing the, the best three right sided players in the country. And then um, I see it coming. No. See, see if that see the annoying thing is about the game um, against Rangers coming up, the fact that it's at Ibrox. See if it was at St. Mon Park. Like I genuinely think we could take them. Like just that, because it's Ibrox, it's just that slightly different psychological. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but like, it's a, a shout out to the fact, like, I guess the experiment of not giving the old firm both um, stands behind the goal kind of worked because. Like again, having those fans behind the goal kind of try to will that ball in, like that is a big advantage. And the fact was, so I can't remember who it was on Twitter, so apologies for not naming. Who pointed out the fact that, like, it wasn't actually a big dip in the um, attendance figures the way they said. It was actually I think so, and there was more St. Martin fans, actual home fans, at this match than there was the last time. So. Job done. There was a few Celtic fans that snuck in as well, including oh, the hilarious. I think the wee, the wee guy in the picture. So I uh, hope he had a shite day. I got, <laughs> like, <Show> his face. <laughs> I got a message about the um, someone sitting behind them saying, um, uh, "With eighty minutes um, gone, one of them apparently turned around and went, we can still win this.'" <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I said that as well. So. Yeah, me too. I, I mean, we've all been there. Yeah. Like, uh, like even the Motherwell game. Yeah. Remember when we were four 0 up at half time, and I, even uh, the jokes around about that time were like, oh, yeah, like we were, still no safe. We were four one up at half time, oh, and, and you just I knew as soon as they scored, it was com- as comfortable as we all felt. It, it, it was in the way the game panned out. I think I'd be a total liar if I sat there and said that my heart rate wasn't through oh, the that last yeah. 10 minutes and I wasn't getting my watch every five seconds. Because oh, even though Celtic racing. were shite, they've just always get the, there's always a chance that they're going to get good and just kind of find a win. So, yeah, that, I'm not, not putting um, our performance down at all by saying that, yeah, I was absolutely shitting it basically until the, the whistle blew. It's just experience. It's just past experience. We know we've been there. We've seen that story a million times. Even with a team like Celtic, it's it's the set piece threat. You know that if if the referee does buy one of the, the Yota throwing himself on the ground, there's probably four, maybe five players on that pitch that you would expect could probably put the ball in the, the back of the net yeah. from a free kick. I think um, I think I said this, although I may have said it. I'm assuming as part of our match review, we're going to then go on and review the performance in the beers afterwards. But <laughs> I'm pretty sure at that point. Later on, uh, I kind of realised and said that in you know, 15, my first St. Martin game was 25 years ago. And um, I've been going regularly to games for 15, 16 years. That is the first time I've been there in person to see us beat one of the old firm. Hmm. I've um, I've always been working or away. or you know, I was driving home from from Preston for the day of the semi-final when we beat Celtic. I've, I've listened to these games and watched them and lockdown and all the rest of it and this is the first time I've actually been in the in the building for it um, it, it was special mm-hmm. there's, um, there's no getting Sunday. away from that I think Sunday for me so I, I kind of moved away from Paisley maybe 8 or 9 years ago and I reckon just the, the messages that were coming in that group chat afterwards and what I was seeing on Twitter is probably the first time I've 
really felt as if I'd been missing <laughs> out after a summer victory. Just not being in Paisley and not being in the pub for that. Oh, it was good. It was, it was all right. Some has enjoyed so. Are you, that's all that really needs to be said are you wanting to comment on your, your night in the beers in the wee house I don't know they can comment on it for me I can't remember yeah. fuck all so. if you want we can fill you in Sam have you got the stats in front of us 20% possession right, zero um, shirts on <laughs> four pints on target um, no I, I took the car through and then as I, as I always do after games walked back to the the motor and stuck sports end on and just give it kind of 10, 15 minutes for the the traffic to clear. And by the time that 15 minutes was up, my fiance had phoned and said, I don't care if you feel like you have to come home, just away and drop the motor at your <laughs> at your mum and dad and get out in the town. So I was like, right, that's definitely happening. Um, car binned and I made a, a flying visit to the beers to catch the, the Christie family. All all very all very happily enjoying their pints. Um, and and unmatching away kits. <laughs> and was, what was that like five or six of us sitting there and four or five yeah. of us in there <laughs> uh, but apparently it's a commercial failure because no one can get their hands on that but I carry <laughs> on um, and then before I started drinking I had to make at least one visit to my soon to be best man's house who's a Celtic season ticket holder and get it right up him for about an hour and a half Is that your and best man after, after that or that's, that's in his hands ah. <laughs> yeah you can say that's it I sent him the podcast intro <laughs> just think in that hour and a half I had just finished playing football and I had to play catch up and I had to get home get dressed and oh did you catch up <laughs> <laughs> like Lazarus the, the atmosphere in... say you said, see, when you're talking about sports sound, did, did, were you also a bit baffled as to why they spent the first 15 minutes after that game asking Craig Levine what he felt about the time Hearts beat Celtic 4-0 and why it was a, a bigger yeah. deal than what we'd just done? Yes, I've, I've come to expect that from those clowns. Richard Gordon, who you know claims to be a kind of Tam Cowan, Stuart Cosgrove, stand-up-for-the-wee-guy type patter, and every time he's, I've listened to it when he's hosted it, fairly recently it's basically just an exercise in him getting either Willie Miller or Craig Levine to talk about the team that they support you can stick up their ass. Um the atmosphere in De Beers on Sunday night and to a lesser extent the Wee House although that's the atmosphere in the Wee House is largely our atmosphere um, <laughs> was one of those rare and I'm not playing on Craig so that you feel bad about missing it but just one of those rare rare nights where you're like I'm so glad. I could so easily have not been here. Mm-hmm. You know, where I, you know, where a foul being given and an equaliser going in away from this having not happened, were you know having plans and not being able to get out of them away from this not happening, and both, you know, through the good grace of <laughs> a very generous fiance, and uh, and through the the Christie family absolutely tearing through a family dinner and then getting the, <laughs> the two boys back to Paisley, we all we all ended. We all ended up, or, or some of us, sorry, all ended up in in that place. I, I just felt so lucky to be out, like a, a pub with like, you know, probably 150% capacity, six deep at the bar, and you were never more than about a metre from a St Myrna wait up. Just, just glorious. The amount of Celtic fans that come up and were just chatting away about how they felt like they'd been absolutely cuffed. It was just uh, great. It was just a proper Paisley pub full of St Myrna fans. Thoroughly, thoroughly delighted at what had transpired. It was, it was just magic. 
But also, Craig, like you talk about kind of feeling like you missed out. The kind of the way that things are, are going just now, I don't think this is a, a one-off. Uh, I don't think, I reckon no. you just come to the next one. I kind of think that's that kind of season. I don't think this is a once in a, once in a decade or once in a whatever type victory. So I would just wait next time. I also think the, 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 the night after the Dundee United game, I think it's going to be a good one. I just have a feeling about it. Fuck the, yeah, the night after the Dundee, the night after the Dundee United away game was another one I fucking <laughs> made the most of this year. So, nah, so it was it was fucking. Um, I can't even play it down, man. It was fucking amazing. Like what a night, man. Like because I, I I came back, I came into Paisley straight after playing, and I went to the court bar for a couple. It was fucking jumping in there. Some of the drunkest guys I've ever seen. <laughs> this, that, that, that's that's guys that were drinking for 11 o'clock. Some of them come at the end of the time. It was fucking jumping in there. Walked round to the beers. The beers was bouncing right at the back. Obviously, we had a, a few a few shandies in there and then went to the wee house. And, oh, what a night, man. It was so much fun. Should we even talk about the Livingston game? No, they'll get scudded as well. Oh, Sam, Sam's just got himself in one of their <laughs> intros. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, boys, and I'm, I'm not being arrogant here. I think we're going to go unbeaten for the rest of the season. <laughs> nah, I think in all seriousness, I think that actually might be a really good game. I, I, I think it's two teams that are, are playing pretty well, and both of these are punched above our weight. Livingston punched above their weight as usual to be fair and, uh, if, you, if you can get three points on the board then it separates like an already brilliant start to a fucking mm-hmm. start in absolute dreams to be honest like it, it really 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 could make a massive difference towards the end of the season as well when you're maybe looking for that extra win to get in the top six you'll look back and think oh if we didn't beat Livy that day then thingy but I don't, I don't expect us to win I do kind of think that we've got the tools to go out and get three points, but winning. Livingston's one of those anom- anomalies. No matter how well you might be playing, like you have no idea what what the result. Like remember the time we were flying in the championship, we went to Livingston away and we get pumped four one after taking the lead like, the first like five minutes or something like that. That was so painful mm-hmm. that day. I'm sure Lee Miller scored an overhead kick. That <laughs> was horrible. We we filled like. 50% of the ground, 60% of the ground. Mm-hmm. Proper, proper atmosphere. It was like the absolute peak of we're on our way mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. And the ground was absolutely bouncing. 1-0 up really early. Was it McGuinness or, okay. or Naismith that kind of bumbled one in? It wouldn't have been Naismith, I guess. Um, and uh, then just got dismantled by the oldest, most immobile scorer of an overhead kick in <laughs> Scottish football history and got absolutely crushed. I, mean, I'm uh, and I can't stress this enough a ground named after a punter of Carbonara <laughs> I'm looking forward to the game I think um, I think we're two kind of underrated kind of quite entertaining teams I know Levy have that kind of historical sort of hammer throw tag which is mainly because the majority of Scottish football fans just see Levy play Celtic on a Sunday mm-hmm. morning and base it off of that but I think Martindale's a very good kind of tactical manager in they play pretty good football, as do we. So I think it will be a good game, and I, I can see it kind of going a goal either way. So mm-hmm. I don't know if, if I'm making predictions. I know it's a couple of weeks away. If I'm making predictions, I think maybe one 0 one 0 was maybe. But 
I looking forward to it. it. Should be a good game. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe the stats don't bear this out, but I feel like Martindale's someone that's quite often got our number. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going back to the semi final and, and all the rest of it, he's some. I think he's he's far more intelligent than he gets credit for. You know, I, I think his accent kind of gets him gets him the column inches that he that he gets, and people like to kind of have a bit of a laugh with, with it as if he's a kind of joke figure sometimes. But actually, aside from putting. And Marvin Bartley at left wing back and a couple of odd things like that. He's a very, very canny manager mm-hmm. who just knows how to get knows how to get results at this level and how to outthink a lot of a lot of managers. So it's a tough one. I, I, well, I hold my hands up and say I don't know if we're going to be able to go into this game and sit back the way we do and, mm-hmm. and try and swallow up pressure. I think Martindale's savvy enough to force us into playing the kind of game we had to play at St Johnston and try to take advantage of that. So. I think it's intriguing. I, I, really, really tough to predict. Honestly, I feel daft having said that I thought we could get a result against Celtic and, and we get one, but I, I think this could be a draw and I wouldn't be gutted with, nah, with you, that. You would always take all. a point against Livingston, I think. Away, mm-hmm. away certainly. I, you know, I, I don't think that's a bad, a bad result to bring back. We're keeping a lot of clean sheets. I think if we keep that kind of form going and, and focus on that and then just try and capitalise on what we can, then you can't go too far. Mm-hmm. Too far wrong from there. See, Livingston, do they have a plastic pitch? <laughs> irrelevant. They do have a... <laughs> Aye, as the stats have shown, it's irrelevant. Uh, they do have a, they do have a plastic pitch. As that guy had said when he's be voiced up. Yeah, but uh, plastic okay, pitches are real psychological. About... <laughs> no, you get talk about kind of bogey teams sometimes, and I don't quite buy into that to be honest. But if there was maybe one you wanted to pick in the league. And... Leaning towards Livingston, I absolutely despise playing against them. Mm-hmm. And I think they're that right. bogey team for for a lot of teams yeah. in the division as well. And it's a, it's something that we should be aspiring to in a lot of ways. Um, and I think under Robinson, we're, we're much closer to to that being the case. I think the more performances like we have put in, you know, against Dundee United, against Hibs, against Celtic teams are, are not going to enjoy coming and playing us anymore. Whereas even at our best, kind of organised football under under Goodwin, I don't think any teams ever. Nervous coming to play us at at home. I, I don't think we ever inspired that in, in people, but we seem to be putting something together now that, that that's changing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll make a prediction. I'm going to. It'll be five, six, or seven. We all pay for entertaining football. So yeah. <laughs> back to business. That's what it is. Aye. Um, we, no, we, we might we might take the foot off the gas because we might be a wee bit tired for international. So you never know. A lazy seven. Aye. Uh, but we will be back Ow. after this. Hello, I'm Stephen Thompson, and you're listening to the Misery Hunters podcast. Thanks, Tomo. Um Mark, is is a certain Aber Aberdonian been? Yeah, the two seconds. I'll just see if he's a uh, if he's about. Um, Dave, Dave, you coming? Yeah. If you hate the sports sound family, clap your hands. <laughs> if you hate the sports sound family, clap your hands. Uh, hello. <laughs> All right, Dave. Oh, Dave, Dave your third voice. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can sympathise with what uh, Dave's going through there because my voice came back this morning <laughs> from a. Uh, from Sunday and you know it's almost like Dave's got kind of sympathy pains there <laughs> and as he's going through it he's, uh, he's just handed me a fat wedge of death 
involved. Uh, which I'll, uh, I'll share with you now. As thick as when a Declan Gallagher's thrown. <laughs> <laughs> Firstly, then, this is just by the by. It's someone that I used to work with on Facebook who commented on a Rangers fan page about why Morelos and Cholak never play together. And someone replied to it saying, literally no one plays two strikers. I can't think of any play team that plays with two centre forwards. Yeah, too many people think this is FIFA and just pack two up two, two up top. It doesn't work like that in the slightest. Nah. Jonah Ayunga, Curtis Main, get it right up the period. <laughs> Absolutely fabulous. Uh, today's, uh, going, going with, uh, with what Dave's just whispered to me, today's uh, shite takes of the week is a is this upset Celtic fan special? It is purely folk that have taken the taken the half after watching their team be outclassed by Robobo. Um, we've got Ronnie O.C. We never stop Celtic flag, uh, <laughs> Ivory Ivory Coast flag on Twitter, who sent a message to Sky Sports saying Celtic, as usual, have been cheated by bent refs. So, um, sit on that one, Ronnie. Uh, Lackey Moore, which is the one that I think we referred to earlier on. At the first goal, a Simon player dragged Ralston to the ground, both arms around him, which allowed the guy at the back post to score. I'm not saying that Tony would have stopped the goal, but it was a clear foul. The, the theory that I saw in this one was someone saying that he's actually talking about the second goal, and he's actually talking about a younger, and he's talking about Welsh, and the guy's just had an absolute meltdown. You know, that... It, I'm willing to buy that based on the intelligence level shown in that tweet. <laughs> I'm willing to accept it. Uh, Celtic Bahoy 67 at CFC DNG 1888. That is every Celtic stereotype in the space of 30 letters. Does the end of his tweet with HH? <laughs> yeah, he's essentially Hulk Hogan. Um, LAUGHTER <laughs> Celtic was awful and didn't deserve anything from the game, but this goal shouldn't count. And also, in my opinion, it is offside. And he's used <laughs> a camera angle where the camera is behind the corner flag. <laughs> you complete dildo. Oh, we go again. <laughs> uh, at Ranroth Games, who's tweeted right, the SPFL. He's a tough one. He wasn't in the beers. Um, or maybe it was. Care to offer a statement why the Celtic Simon match was fixed? The referees gave no semblance of impartiality. The ball boys were instructed to not return the ball to both teams equally. Goals were awarded to someone outside the rules and someone not subject to laws? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Ramroth. Uh, Jamie Whiteford. Replying to Celtic on can I can I just hold Twitter? a wee second? I know that yes, we're, we're in very very um, like everyone's gripped to hear more data, but St Mirren have just tweeted that Declan Gallagher has been called up to the Scotland squad. Oh, yes. really? Oh, fucking get in there! So that that is breaking news there. Steve <laughs> Clark, a renowned lover of weighty throw-ins. Birthday news that I'd say <laughs> that's huge news. Gallagher absolutely lobbing one onto Dyke's forehead. Just magnificent. Sorry to get back to a tweet. Sorry, it's just as I saw there, I couldn't I couldn't contain myself. I thought the, the people had to know, which is annoying because this podcast goes out tomorrow morning, so they'll already know by then anyway. But we've just learnt. Yeah. <laughs> and we're all very excited. Yes. Sorry, Ange Postecoglou was on the Celtic Twitter, um, explaining that, you know, they were outplayed and all the rest of it. 
And Jamie Whiteford said, we blew it against a thoroughly awful non-footballing side. Cheers, Jamie. Thanks for playing. Uh, Dev 1888 I'm, I'm assuming he's a Celtic fan that grey strip wouldn't have helped they would have been as well wearing camouflage tops forgetting that we were wearing I the we were in fucking the night vision top. goggles during the game so it didn't bother us <laughs> yeah a lot of people talking about the strips as if in order for that to be a kit clash the other strip also has to be difficult to pick out against you <laughs> you complete fuds Uh at Twang Macam eighty two fifty eight trademark England flag Bosnia flag for some reason. No. I think the Bosnia flag's there because he doesn't know what the Ukrainian flag is. <laughs> 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 That's just a guess. Uh, he replied under Celtic's tweet to say that one was for the boss and shared four medals with Queen Elizabeth's face on them. Um, I can assure you, Twang, it was not. Aye, there's a lot of that stuff after it, but that can get to fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can okay. assure you. Do, do you know my favourite trend of this is like see the, the Rangers fans that have changed their profile pictures to the Queen there's just a lot of people going oh do you know you really resemble the our late Queen like I, I, <laughs> it's just such simple humour it makes me laugh every time <laughs> big fan of that uh, Stuart M very poor perform- performance which will probably cover the grim refereeing performance which had both teams playing to a different set of rules <laughs> oh well keep our feet on the ground and move on don't know that keeping your feet on the ground is what you do after you've just been humiliated, Stuart. Joe, Joe Hart kept his feet in the ground really fucking well for both goals. <laughs> Stephen Welsh kept his feet in the ground instead of jumping for that header at the back post. Well, he might have, maybe he did that away if he did. Carry on, Stuart. A quick shout out for Greenock Morton fan page who replied to Celtic's tweet with, if you can't beat someone, clap your hands. Who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> fuck up. Uh, back in your box. One Shouldn't you be talking about playing our broth or something? Ah, <laughs> <sighs> Brev the Sticks. Beat 2-0 by a Sunday league team. Time to go home. Get it right round you. Wow, um, that's good. Ross Math at Jockster67. Scotland flag, European flag, Palestine flag. <laughs> this has been awful, but to be fair, it's been a whole year since we've played so poorly and a whole year since any time in Scotland has tested us. And if you go back that year... It was us that pumped you at Parkhead, you fucking reprobate. Mm-hmm. Fair play to Simon. It's the biggest day in theirs and Rangers history since we beat you last January. And the previous time that See, our team that was worth about 150 grand beat your team of millionaires in the semi-final on the way to a national cup, you dick. See, talking about this, you know, um, a supposed Mirren celebrity fan from Shetland TV programme, Douglas Henshaw, tweeted saying, I can't remember the last time we beat uh, Celtic. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't support the bum. Uh, no, especially yeah. after the the whole. Did you not see like uh, uh, he had to apologise for writing a tweet that saying a, um, about the he said oh, it's great that, seeing the hunts in the box. or something. It was after the old farm game, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. <sighs> and a you're like, head, uh, when, what, I, when I saw that, I was I thought he was a Sitmon fan, and then oh, I can't remember the last time we beat. Oh, okay, right, you're, you've just said Sitmon to be. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm rapidly looking through the data file, but I, I can't see here, so I can't mention the woman's exact username. But um, <laughs> to, find, to, to finish this all off, <laughs> shite take of the week has to go to that woman whose wee boy was in the, the family stand. And to be honest, I don't even know if our wee boy is in there as a Celtic fan. He's just behind a very obviously Celtic supporting bald man with his head in his hands. And for happened, some reason... It's happened to be in the background, I'm mm-hmm. sure. 
I know. So instead of just letting that pass by because you don't want people like people to draw attention to your wee boy, she's then started seeking out every Twitter user on who's shared that picture, telling them they didn't have permission to take that picture and to remove it. Please delete this picture of my son. Literally, no one was looking at your son. You maniac. I'm, I have a feeling this son's um, like a grass and is under witness protection. That's that's my Could feeling. <laughs> I think it should be our next T-shirts. Just that wee voice first. <laughs> if you didn't have permission to take, please delete that. this T-shirt on the back. Aye, like special shout out for chasing everyone all over Twitter to ask them to delete this picture. And it also the the guy who referred to her as Benjamin Button's mum, <laughs> which was fabulous. Pat. I think that was Coventry Saint, wasn't it? <laughs> that was, that was good guy. Need to get him a certified good guy badge. Oh. <laughs> no, but, uh, thanks. But, uh, there we are. thanks Mark and um, thanks Dave thank you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and special shout out to two different people who stopped me in the beers on Sunday night and mentioned Dave Cormack <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a new a new sensation on a night out that was, a, that was good fun I managed to not do the voice as well which was nice ah well Right. Not that weird, obviously, because it's not a voice. It's it's the it's, Aberdeen it's chairman, Dave, Dave Cormack. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, th- thanks again for listening. Um, Miseryhunters.co.uk. You can read uh, Andrew Christie's latest blog, uh, fabulously named, and is a actually very good read as well. Um, all our merch and t-shirts and stuff are on there as well. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Miseryhunters to join. Uh, Patreon, £3 a month, you get exclusive uh, podcasts. We will be reliving, um, this week we'll be reliving the Celtic 4, uh, 4, sorry, Celtic 0, <laughs> the, the last Tony Mowbray um, managing for Celtic. Um, so, and we've got a monthly prize draw. You can win a signed ball this month if you sign up before the end of the month. And uh, also keep your eyes peeled to the social media because we have... A pretty big announcement that I think a lot of people will enjoy. Um, but as always, uh, fuck. I don't know why I say Alex Ray this month, this week, but fuck it. Fuck him, I know. Maple Stewart. Fuck Andy Walker. Fuck Chris Irulemo. Fuck Ange Postacoglu. <laughs> and fuck Dermot Gallagher. Aye, right, fuck him. Sports Social Podcast Network.